Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit our website at thisweekincraft.beer. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Andrew from Three Hills Brewing, based in the village of Woodford in Northamptonshire. Andrew spent seven years brewing in China, including some time as the head brewer at Dry Cronin Bavarian Brauhaus in Shanghai, prior to launching Three Hills on his birthday in 2016. Three Hills is named after the local Neolithic burial mounds, and its mission is to produce high-quality, innovative, and experimental small-batch beers for those who love to explore new taste sensations. Rather than reproducing the same beers, they focus on creating a new recipe every time to keep things interesting. Andrew, please introduce yourself and tell me a bit more about your beer journey and how you came to start Three Hills. Thanks, Rob. That was a really nice introduction already, I think. So I founded Three Hills on my birthday in 2016. Prior to that, I was brewing at a German brewery, making wheat beers, lagers, dunkles, and a few specials here and there. And before that, I was a passionate home brewer. So I had one room of my house in uh, Shanghai, completely air conditioned at 20 degrees. So I was fermenting loads of stuff in there. And we had a kegerator with about six beers on tap. I had maybe more craft beer in my flat than uh, a lot of the bars in Shanghai. But you had lots um, of friends. <laughs> I did, yeah. I had some good parties. And that's actually how I got into professional brewing. Some professional brewers tried my beers and recommended me for a job. I was at the German brewery for about a year and a half and it was a very fun time and I learned a lot making the same beer over and over again exactly right. the same so German style precision <laughs> but really I wanted to uh, spread my wings a little bit and do more experimental stuff and then I moved back to the UK and started really really small in the garage of my family home and it's kind of just grown from there really. Now we're producing about 10,000 litres per month out of the garage. And we're a team of four. I have right. a really good team, a lead brewer, Steve Neal, and an, another brewer, Johnny Orwin. We've just taken on a new assistant, Tom Armitage. And together, we're trying to make as many styles as possible to a really high standard. So we're constantly improving, always uh, reviewing the recipes, reviewing the process, trying to use the most cutting edge ingredients out there. And Steve's been with you more or less from the start, has he? Yes. So Steve, I did a talk at a bar, a local bar, and he was in the audience and he was also a a passionate home brewer. So about a year in, he came and started working with me. And now he handles pretty much most of the production out of the garage. And Johnny was formerly of Oakham Ales. Okay. So when we launched our cast project in 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, it was really good to have him with some knowledge of casking. Absolutely. Um, Before I got back to the UK, I'd never cast a beer before. So uh, (laughs) it was, uh, and we're a vegan friendly brewery, so we didn't do anything with finings or, um, that was a interesting project. Um, But to go back to Steve, he is a very creative, talented brewer and very lucky to be working with him. Johnny now, um, we have a second site in Bermondsey, which we ha- actually haven't announced yet. Oh, wow. Uh, but, but Is this an exclusive has... for the podcast? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of. I mean, it's been announced 
by other people on our behalf. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, we were kind of not announcing it quite yet uh, mm-hmm. until we get the tap room ready. But it's on the Bermondsey Beer Mile. Fantastic. Um, can can you tell me who it's who it's close to? Because I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the geography down there, as you probably expect. <laughs> yes. So it's uh, right next door to Spartan Brewery, but um, Partizan's at the back. And then you've got Ebria just down the road as well. Yep. Um, so it's well, Seven fantastic. Almond Road. Um, okay. And Johnny has taken the lead down there and I'm there a bit as well supporting him. So we're looking to have the tap room open in October. We're going to have 14 taps, seven taps downstairs and seven taps upstairs Hmm. on the mezzanine. Um, So it's it's exciting time. And that's going to be, is it, what else are you going to use that space for? Is it going to maybe some barrel aging or? So just as lockdown um, commenced, we thought, right, we better get some barrels (laughs) just in case, just in case we have to uh, close down completely for a while going to need some really nice beer for when we reopen um yep. so we started our barrel aging project at the garage site we've currently got 12 barrels some interesting bourbon and cognac stuff and uh, a sweet white wine sauternes to name a couple but in the garage yesterday we did the first canning run on our new line Right. So the garage will be the canning facility. Okay. We have a really high spec uh, canning machine. It can do 3,300 cans per hour, which is pretty rapid and, mm. uh, and definitely more than we need right now, but we'll, awesome. we, we'll grow into it. And it has the lowest DO levels out there. It's a counter pressure filler. So it right. employs the same technology as a, as a bottle filler would. Right. Completely purges the can and fills it under pressure. So that's what's going on in the garage, cans and a bit of barrel aging. And then the London site's going to be doing keg and cask with the option of potentially bringing some beer back to the garage to be canned. Um, right. If we need to. In terms of beer styles, we do pretty much everything in the garage. We've got a couple of outdoor fermenters that we do mixed fermentation beers in. Right. Yeah, I found um, some pictures of those being delivered yeah. in my homework. <laughs> with the forklift. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the big JCB forklift coming down the middle of the road. Yeah, we blocked off the road for a little bit. Uh, That's quite fun. And down in London, we're looking to do big imperial stouts, some nice hazy IPAs, and probably some triple-fruited gozes, which is not what we've done. We haven't done any triple-fruited gozes yet. Right. So that would be a cool thing to, for us to... Uh, to move into um, yeah. another area to research. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about the craft beer scene in Shanghai and, and elsewhere that, that you experienced. Well, it was an interesting scene in China. We had a lot of Belgium imports and some German imports. But then the local scene, there'd be expats that had set up restaurants and, uh, and breweries. And in China, there's a weird rule where as long as you have a restaurant, you can distill, brew on site, and that's fine. So, like, you can have a small dumpling restaurant and, right. and brew a beer. And a massive brewery uh, out the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't sell that beer anywhere else um, okay. without um, paying for a really expensive uh, license. So there were a lot of brew pubs. There was one really good one called Boxing Cap Brewery. They sold to AB InBev um, mm. recently. Um, so now mm. they're nationwide. <laughs> yeah, it was mostly expat. Yeah, uh, it was mostly expat and like Chinese, China um, joint ventures. Um, right. Lots of yeah, American IPAs. You know, West Coast IPAs mm-hmm. and like big stouts. Um, yeah, it, there was about eight different ones in in Shanghai, um, and 
I drank most of their beers <laughs> like uh, quite frequently on a regular basis. <laughs> on a regular basis, we had a pretty good homebrew homebrew crew as well. There was a few fair few homebrewers, um, right. and th- and this guy that like uh, he had a really nice system in his garage and the outskirts of Shanghai, and he'd supply everybody with ingredients and uh, equipment and stuff. Yeah, and then the the scene uh, has grown a lot. It's super popular. Chinese make a blanket statement. Chinese people like to drink. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's the, it is the world's biggest beer market, which is no great surprise because it's such a populous country. But, it, you know, they do drink more beer, uh, not per capita, but in total, don't they, than anywhere else in the world. Yeah, and the domestic beers. So, I mean, the, the Qingdao that we get in the UK is uh, is almost drinkable. But in China, it's about 3%. <laughs> and they put, oh, oh, my God, man, like you have to try really hard with that stuff. Hmm. And uh, it if it's cold enough, it's hanging. probably right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at like three in the morning with a hmm. barbecue. Um, yeah, there's four meals in China. You get breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then like midnight snack, hmm. uh, which is like barbecue on the street, and you you down a few Qingdao's and maybe a little bit of rice wine. Um, <laughs> that, that was the the lifestyle. Nice. Yeah. yeah. At uh, Cloudwater, friends and family in February. Uh, shortly before lockdown, they had Young Master from Hong, obviously from Hong Kong rather than from from mainland China. But those guys were a proper full-on Western craft brewery, as we would you know as we would recognise one with a couple of absolutely world-class beers on you know that they were pouring. So, mm. do you think are, are we going to see s- similar coming out of mainland China shortly? Do you think they're going to start to appear in 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 Europe? Yeah, for sure. The quality uh, was good when I was there, and mm. uh, I mean that was now. Uh, eight years ago or something like that so i i would think that there's the the quality is even better now oh. and um yeah there was you were really lucky in china because um they they love their food and the cuisine is so diverse and there's so many good in- ingredients so just even like sichuan peppercorns for instance like you've yeah. got about eight different types and they all have like subtle different flavors okay um, and then like yeah fruits was like ready readily available tropical fruits and oh. stuff like that the only problem we had back then was getting good malts um we got a lot of like uh, australian feed barley um like it wasn't you no. didn't get good extracts and not good flavor but I think that's probably all been ironed out now. So, yeah, I would expect that we'll have some really good. Uh, I mean, I know a couple of a couple of old friends in uh, are making really good beer in, in China. Rich Cat uh, Brewery. Rich yeah, Cat. Rich Cat, yep. rich okay. Cat in Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. Guy called Gavin, Guy from Leicester, making some seriously good beer. And oh. he uh, he has like a coffee roaster and reverse osmosis system. And like that was the other challenge. The water in China was difficult so you needed a really good filtration system right but yeah uh, there's there's some there's some good brewers out there oh very good i'll put that in the uh, in the show notes so let's talk about the capacity of your kit at the garage and, and in Bermondsey. the garage has a 225 liter brew house but we yep. can turn it over three times per day okay. um, and make up to 600 liters per day right um, and we normally do that we've got 13 fermentation vessels Um, or we did prior to the cannon machine installation we're down to about six inside and two outside now and in london we have a six barrel brew house currently with a couple of 10 hectolitre tanks and a couple of 20 hectolitre tanks but we're planning on putting in more tanks into the london site so uh, yeah we should be able to do twenty thousand liters per month is Mm -hmm. what we'll be aiming to do by uh by the end of 2021 Fantastic. And just so I can get a sense of the scale of the building, I'm sure it's a bit bigger than what I'm picturing. So how actually big is the garage? 
So it's a double garage and it had like a little ancillary space that used to house an oil tank uh, for the central heating. So it is quite a big garage. Um, We packed a lot in there though. In the beginning, I had six tanks, fermentation vessels in the garage, but um, we since got two containers offsite that we'd use for storage of raw materials and a refrigerator container as well for, okay, for nice. finished goods. So yeah, we've managed to, at one point we had 13 mm-hmm. tanks at that site. It's, uh, it's a tight space to work in, but um, we, we manage it. We've had to become super organized and, yes. uh, and efficient. It kind of has spra- sprawled out onto the driveway as well. If you ever come to the village of Woodford and, and find us, uh, then you'll be able to find us easily. There's packs of cans and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fantastic. And, and just for completeness, then, how big's your, your arch in Bermondsey? It's obviously pretty substantial as well, by the way you're describing it. <laughs> the archway is like about 100 square meters, and we have the mezzanine space, mm-hmm. which spans the whole, the whole footprint, really. So, yeah, lots of room upstairs for seating. And I think we can get at least 10 fermentation vessels in there, but some 10 hectoliter, some 20 hectoliter. It's slightly bigger, but it still doesn't feel massive. Excellent. What exciting times, Andrew. Absolutely. I've been doing a bit of homework and reading some interviews and some articles about you over the last couple of days and wasn't picturing something as substantial as what you've just described across the two sites, that's for sure. So, uh, so you guys have come a long way. <laughs> we have come a long way, yeah. It was good to start really small. I think it really allowed us to be super experimental and make loads of different styles and, and learn a lot and make a lot of mistakes and, uh, yep. you know, not too costly. And now we're in a, in a good spot with the two. We couldn't be in a better location in, in Bermondsey or in, in the UK. I think it's the, no. the, the most prestigious um, site for, for breweries. Yeah, so it's really lucky that we found that place. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this first beer which I've been sipping slowly, trying not to finish it before we actually got to talk about it. This is The Whole World Belongs to You, 6.3% New England IPA, hopped with Meridian, Idaho 7 and Belmar. Yes. I think it's really good. It's got really interesting balance of fruit, certainly some, some strawberry and pineapple, I think, in there. There's, there's other depths of fruit flavours as well, I think. It's, uh, it's also got a, a light herbal note, which I appreciate. It's not your average New England IPA by any, by any stretch. And I think one final comment is I think it's got a spectacular depth of flavour for, for a 6.3%. I think, you know, this is, I've, had, I've drunk plenty of dippers that haven't had a depth of flavour that this has. So, so that's, uh, that's to be applauded, I think. Thank you. That's a very generous review. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so uh, these were three uh, totally new hops for us and mm-hmm. from a totally new hop farm. So the hops were sourced from uh, Crosby Hops in Northern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Meridian definitely has that strawberry vibe. Mm. And the Idaho 7 adds a slight grassy edge. Yeah. And I think we've managed to get that depth of flavor, but still retain the smooth mouthfeel and uh yep. and 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 low bitterness at the end so it's mm-hmm. so i'm pretty happy with it as a we went through a stage of or a phase of using a lot of citra mosaic eldorado right. amarillo the big hitting popular hops and it's really nice to use some new ones and it's totally different uh, a unique thing so definitely one of the most interesting new england ipas we've brewed for a while i'd say um, right. yeah yeah pretty happy with it i mean the malt bills are reasonably simple it's just mm-hmm. extra pale malt a bit of golden promise carapilsner oats wheat um torrified oats torrified wheats as well for haze and uh, and, right. and body 
Yeah, and the yeast strain is, we use a blend of yeasts actually. So uh, we, on this one, we use London Fog and uh, 008 in unison. Um, so we like the fruity flavors of the 008 strain. Right. Uh, and alongside the London Fog, they, they work really well together. And I guess the only other thing to talk about on this beer is the water. So uh, we have really, really bad water in Northamptonshire. For, yeah, it's terrible. Or very hard or uh, hard as nails and yeah. full of uh, sulfates oh um, so we can make a good we had a whole project called anglian dark ale where we were trying to make a new beer style suited to our local water profile okay. so we changed every, everything else to suit this <laughs> local water so the hardness of the water is uh, is good for a dark beer right because okay. um, you can use the dark malt to adjust the mash ph so we worked out how much dark malt we needed to get the mash pH in the right zone. And then the sulfates really accentuate the bitterness. So that's why I say it's, it's not great water for, for brewing a New England IPA. Right. So we need to add extra calcium chloride into our water so that we get the right ratio between chloride and sulfate. Yeah, yeah so it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge to make these hazy styles in, right. in Northamptonshire. Yeah, but yeah. We, I think we've managed to dial it in now to the point where it, it does feel soft. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, it does, yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't, yeah, we don't get too much astringent bitterness. So lots of Whirlpool hops, right. um, pretty much exclusively Whirlpool hops. Okay. Um, we call, call the beer to 85 degrees and then hop it in massive proportions to get a load of flavor and aroma. And then we dry hop it twice during the process mm-hmm. with absolutely loads of hops as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think this had probably about 20 grams per litre uh, oh, okay. dry hop and then mm. um, a large chunk in the whirlpool. Well, you can taste them, that's for sure. It was mm. money, money well spent. Yeah, thank you. This beer had a, another one in, in the series next to it called um, If You Want to Know Me, Look Within, right. which also had hops from Crosby and it had strata in it. Okay. Which up there with Sabro as my new favorite hop. Mm, um, I love Sparta. Yeah. yeah, not so much Super Sabro. But good. Yeah. No, you're not a Sabro fan. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't have strong opinions about Sabro, but I do about Strata. I think Strata is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's got that like tropical vibe, but also mm. with some pininess in there. And I think it just really, really works. So I wanted to lead in then, Andrew, to talk about your approach to beer styles. So rather than have a core range, as far as I understand, you have some core styles and you sort of mm. riff around the edges on, on those. And so you're always experimenting with processes and ingredients, but at the same time, obviously gives you the opportunity to maintain some consistency of branding and labeling within that framework. So talk to me a bit about that, but I like it very much as a, as a concept. Yeah, so we're... Um a big fan of doing series of beers mm-hmm. so we'll come up with the concept for, for a beer normally and then we'll build a couple more around it or maybe eight more around it so we have a series of hazy ipas or hop forward beers called small steps in pursuit of juice mm-hmm. so small steps is a three percent double dry hop pale in pursuit is a six percent new england ipa and of juice is a nine percent dipper um and then we change the hops within these three beers eight times so we have eight different iterations of the small steps into in pursuit of juice series and then we've been through this series twice so now the second time we're changing the yeast strains and dialing in the recipes a little bit Mm. normally we don't go back to a series but uh we really thought that we could improve the small steps in pursuit of juice from 2019 
so we thought yeah let's let's do it again and dial it in so that's the uh, IPA series, right. uh, but we also have a series of imperial stouts called yep. BPAVK, Baltic provenance and village knowledge is the, <laughs> but actually we meant to call it black in Cyrillic, but we misspelled it on the, uh, on the label <laughs> and uh, a Russian dude called us out within, within moments of it being on tap. So we had to quickly make a BPAVK, uh, <laughs> but now we like it, you know, it's, yeah, to it's back a the acronym, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a good acronym and uh, it looks good on the can. Um, mm. So yeah, this this series of 10% Imperial Stouts, um, we changed the flavors. It's a pastry stout series. So right. we've done all kinds of things, strawberry, marshmallow, uh, chocolates. We did triple chocolate, uh, chocolate hazelnut, mm. coffee. We've done peanut brittle, coconut macaroon, which mm. one of those I think will taste. Uh, yeah, I've got the macaroon there here, yeah. Then we also have a series of, called Coordinates, which we choose a beer style from a specific region from around the world and then brew our take on it. So we'll research the style and the place and brew our version of it. Nice. And that's kind of like a monthly special thing. So we did a Hefeweizen, traditional right. Bavarian Hefeweizen, going back to my sure. uh, professional... <laughs> that was an easy one, uh, wasn't it, for you, I guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Well, it's a really hard beer to brew, actually. Like, right, uh, I'm not... Triple, wasn't... Yeah, no, I know what you meant, though. Um, yeah, it, I, I, so it's a triple decocted. We never did this at the uh, at the German brewery because it was just way too much effort. But right. we for the for the Free Hills Bavarian Hefeweizen, we did um, triple decoction, which means taking a part of the mash out, boiling it, and then putting it yeah. back in to increase the temperature. And right. that really like makes this delicious malt body um, and slight like caramel edge. Um, and then the fermentation profile is super hard as well to get the uh, right esters. Um, so banana and clove yeah yeah so that was one that we did in the coordinates we did a wit we did Mm -hmm. a kvike we did a light czech pills um and english barley wine and each can has the coordinates of the place that we've chosen so for the czech one it's pilsen and for the english barley wine it's our coordinates at the three hills hq right um, <laughs> and then outside of that we have a series of mixed fermentation beers that we're coming right. up with called spirit of nature then we've got the legacy series uh which is going back to the most original recipe or the the, the original concepts that we had in the beginning we rebrew those and tweak them um, right. but yeah that nothing is ever exactly the same uh, mm-hmm. because we we're always feeling like we can improve and there's always process changes or new ingredients that need to be tried um, oh the most recent series that we're just about to release is uh, a series based around cryo sabro because okay. uh, i love it i know we talked about it already but uh, it's uh, it's my one of my top two favorite hops right so we've got eight beers some six percent neepers and some eight percent dippers hmm. based around cryo sabro wow with in conjunction with other hops um, right so yeah, they they've got nice transparent labels. They should be coming out pretty pretty soon. The first two, uh, yeah. Fantastic. I don't know where to start with all that. That was a, <laughs> a mind-boggling <laughs> list of um, of series. We've done, I think now in Keg and Cam, we've done two hundred and eighty different recipes. Right. And then we also have a cast brand, the Woodford Experiment, <laughs> which um, the vegan-friendly cast brand. That one has, I think, like sixty, seventy different beers in it now. So it's, it's a lot of beers. Uh, um, we're addicted to experimentation. We can't stop making stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, no, as long as uh, the market demands and you know, and it's happy to buy them, then that's that's great, isn't it? Long may that continue. That's very much yeah. uh, 
no, my approach to, to craft beer is, yeah, is, you know, what's next? What's next? What's next? You know, it's, it's yeah, a journey, it, isn't it? It is a journey. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I 100% agree. No single hop yeah. series, um, surprisingly. Oh, we, we did do that in the beginning, yeah. So when we were back in the 330 mil bottles, we did uh, a series called Veda, yeah. which is knowledge in Sanskrit. So it was about learning which hops we like to use and also the, for the customer. We like to release two at a time. So right. you could blend them together and make your own like little uh, mixes, basically, okay. um, yep. which is something I do. Like I mix uh, mix beers from time to time, you know, like if I've got two, two Nipahs, I'll like try them together and then yeah. see how those hops will work. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of like, I guess our thing is um, through our branding, we like to communicate the experiments that we're doing. Um, right. So a lot of the names will be based around yeah those kind of things. So you mentioned the tap room in Bermondsey, which you're putting the finishing touches to and COVID permitting, we'll all have the chance to experience hopefully shortly. But is there a pub or a tap room that you've been supplying beers to that that sort of takes all of your beers as they're released prior to that or not really? So we started, we built a self-distribution network of about 100 different pubs. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'd go all the way up up to Nottingham um, and then we had a Peterborough, but mostly local, like um, we started really local to get gather feedback now we have a couple of distributors national ones so they help they've helped a lot for us to get the beer out further and to more people so yeah we in northamptonshire there's probably about 13 craft beery kind of places uh so we did a lot in the beginning with them and we still do yeah Mm -hmm. still have a really good local uh customer base which is nice Yeah, some great guys. Yeah, I've seen your beers in the junkyard in Nottingham uh, several times, which is somewhere I like to um, like to get to when I'm up that uh, up that way. Yep, great pub, great guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always a really good selection on, and mm. a nicely like curated selection as well. You've got oh, to always have like a, some good stouts and some good IPAs and some good sours. And, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's been open at all, has it? Over the summer, I did. I looked into it a few weeks ago, and it wasn't open. Um, but you know, I hope those guys will come back in one piece and uh, we can all uh... yeah actually yeah i think they might be reopening oh, i think great. Uh, okay. yeah it could have been just the last couple of days i saw an, an announcement i think oh fantastic um, i hope so yeah me too the thing that really brought three hills to my attention was the the episode of the triple hop podcast from from last year that where they uh, featured four or five of your beers i think and we're, we're super enthusiastic um we really impressed me how you blew those guys away and that you know that these are people whose opinions i admire and that you really did impress those guys so so that you know immediately sort of put you on my radar as somebody that i'd like to speak to and, and figure out a bit more about and it's great to, to to get you on now but i think the the cool thing about podcasts actually is is that it's a it's an evergreen platform really an evergreen resource so people will still be downloading that episode of triple hot i'm sure today and these days and you know i'm playing it and so oh, that's cool three hills you know those, those guys sound great even though it's a year old now that's still out there as a as a sort of testimonial for your beer quality and you know hopefully um you know, people will uh, will download this podcast in a year or two from now as well, and you know, like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's a fun medium, and um, you know, I think. Uh, Thank you very much for inviting us on. It's uh, super, yeah, good to good to chat. And that, yeah, that podcast, I was really surprised how 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 well the, uh, the they they liked the, the especially the Trium Herbis. Yes, that was um, so. Yeah, that that's our most experimental series, actually. The seven fifty mil bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, we take three ingredients from the same family, and we did herbs, beans, or yeast hops. Um, but yeah, that one was a sour wit beer with lemon verbena, coriander, and pineapple sage. And um, yeah, they it loved it. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> blew them away. Yeah, yeah. 
super great. Uh, it is a really, really refreshing beer. Yeah. The, and the herbal edge is, is unique, I think. So I noticed you benefited from a couple of feast grants. Talk to me for a minute about that because it might be an interesting resource that, that people aren't aware of and can leverage, obviously, you know, later iterations of it because the rounds that you benefited from are obviously granted and gone. Yeah, we were really, really uh, fortunate to get these grants from um, our local council. So it's part of the European Regional development fund um, but they will fund a 25% rebate on any capital equipment that you buy that will lead to more jobs so our first canning line and our second canning line we got a grant for nice. uh, which really really helped the move from bottles to can was amazing for us just yeah they sell a lot quicker and better for the environment and all around better for us as well in terms yep. of labor so uh, yeah, they were really, really, really lucky to get the, uh, the those those grants. And um, there's a lot of government support out there actually. Sometimes it's not well advertised, but uh, yeah, these guys they came to us. Did they really? Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, yes, please. I'm not sure if it's specific to our counties, but I think there's yeah, there must be um, other stuff in, mm. in different areas. Yeah, so I think it, everybody's just too busy to even think about looking into this sort of thing. It's, it's the challenge, isn't it? I'm sure. And you know, it's... Yeah, and it does take a while to fill out the forms, but mm. I mean, it's worth it. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Andrew, let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer was established in January 2020 to promote the independent UK craft beer scene via a free weekly newsletter published every Monday. The newsletter includes the key new beer releases from the previous week, as well as an extensive directory of web shops and other craft beer news. As things open up again, we will also feature a detailed events calendar, taproom directory and taproom reviews. You can register to receive this by email every Monday morning at thisweekincraft.beer. So I'm back with Andrew from Three Hills for the second half of the show. Andrew, what makes you different in a nutshell? What would you say makes Three Hills, what's your unique stamp in the market? I guess what makes us different is that we never settle on anything. Like going back to what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. the experimentation and the innovation and that kind of thing. We do so many different styles and we want to do every style. We don't specialize. We try to make all styles to a high quality and we're not happy unless we're, if it doesn't go completely right the first time, we'll, we'll continue at that. We don't just stop. So yeah, I think it's the sheer amount of different styles we do and the commitment to series is, I guess. Uh, that's. Uh, <laughs> I was inspired starting this by uh, Mikula and Brewdog, uh, the branding of Brewdog, where there's always like a story behind the, the names and stuff. I really like that. Yep. And then Mikula's like experimentation. Um, mm-hmm. So we kind of took those two and uh, and put it together. The going forward, what will be unique for us, because there's only really two things that are totally unique to an individual brewery, and that's the water and the uh, yeast flora that you have in your local area. So we plan to turn our garage into a mixed fermentation brewery with a cool ship on the flat part of the garage roof. Love it. So so once we um, get the Bermondsey site up and running and then we move into a new location in... um, Northamptonshire the garage will become that place where we can really do unique mixed fermentation beers um, fantastic yeah exciting times yeah no that'll be uh, that'll be absolutely terrific last couple of weeks I've interviewed uh, London Beer Factory and their mobile cool ship um, which you may have seen uh, on Instagram or whatever and uh, 
and also uh, Bates and Miranda at Duration, who have a, a huge cool ship in their uh, one of their barns, don't they? So yeah, I'm starting to get really excited about cool ships and the and the potential for uh, for really interesting beers. That, uh, the yeah, definitely. Yeah. We did a collab with London Beer Factory um, mm-hmm. last year, and uh, we're hoping that we'll do something with the cool ship at some point. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a super cool concept that you can just go anywhere and oh. uh, you know we can make some magic happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that, that's really terrific. And so, so you mentioned um, Nicola and, and Brewdog. Are there American brewers that have influenced you um, or other, other UK ones perhaps? Um, American brewers. Recently, I've been really enjoying American Solera. They're smashing it with some like wine, or grape, yep. um, sour hybrids. Yeah, yeah. Um, loving those. From the early days, I guess Oscar Blues was one. Um, mm. In China, we didn't get too much uh, apart from Founders. So I guess Founders was, uh, and Rogue, Rogue as well. We used to get a lot of Rogue. English brewers, I'd say Colonel, Brewdog, Nicola were my three mm. that I really took a lot of inspiration from in the beginning. Right, let's talk about this next beer, Andrew. And it is BPAVK Coconut Macaroon, which is a 10% Imperial Stout. And it is delicious. We've been nursing it, both of us, for the last 10, 15 minutes while we've been chatting. And it's really, really lovely. It's, it's starting to warm up as well, which always opens up the flavours of these things even more. So it's, it's really got a, a terrific toasted coconut and chocolate flavour. Thick, decadent treat, I think, is it would be a good way to describe it. But what do you think about it? Again, a great review. I think it's exactly that. It's, it's thick, it's sweet, it's got the coconut, uh, vanilla, mm. chocolate... We dial back the roasted flavors to let those chocolate, caramel, um, vanilla, coconut mm. flavors come through. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been a work in progress this series, but now we've got this uh, base that we, we think lets those flavors shine through. Oh, definitely. And BPAVK, you did tell me what that stands for, and it's... Um... Baltic Providence and Vagabond... No, not Vagabond, sorry. <laughs> Baltic <laughs> Providence and Village Know-How. The thing is that I change it, like, very, like month on month. People ask it, and I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's this, sometimes <laughs> it's that. And uh, <laughs> depending on, uh, yeah, it's like a competition. Who can think of the best... Uh, yeah, no, it should, yeah, it's, it's yeah. nice, in, in the, very much in the style of the brewery, isn't it? And everything's constantly changing and morphing and being tweaked. I think that's... I love it that you're also even changing your acronyms around. Yeah, on a regular yeah. basis. Um, I don't not finish talking about the beer, but let's just talk about the artwork on the can for a moment. It's I think this is uh, this is really stylish, isn't it? It's I know you've it's, got there's there's sort of a, a bit of a Chinese influence, isn't there, to some of uh, some of your your can art. I've seen seen other cans that have sort of had uh, um, styling to it, but I think this is particularly classy, and uh, you know it looks like a. If you see this on the shelf, you say, that's a quality product right there. You know, it's as <laughs> much as you can judge. So the logo we have is um, three mountains in Chinese because three hills, the, the characters for hills aren't as good. <laughs> um, okay. so we, and, and Chinese also like embellish things quite frequently. So like uh, these hills where we're, where we're based, um, they're actually like mounds. They're well, by Northamptonshire standards, they are anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're not like proper hills. Yeah, so three mountains in Chinese. This was designed by Martin at um, Bright Sky Design. Um, we gave him a, a brief of like, we want something that like conveys premium and like the smoothness mm. and like decadent nature of the stout. So gold and silver foil, the smoke kind of billowing across 
during lockdown, this series had a, a white label. So um, we were, because we were putting everything into can rather than keg, we right. were just printing labels off the thermal, Zebra thermal printer. Oh. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a little bit rough around the edges and really this, uh, the new labels have uh, taken it to the next level. Yeah, and yeah very nice and i think branding is obviously very important isn't it you're you know you're trying to to convey something from a, a shelf full of beers where there's a lot of competition for for the customer's eyes and you know what they're going to reach for in the in the fridge or on the shelf and so you know i think it's it's really important not something you should you should overlook it's hard to stand out on the shelves now especially with the uh so much color and vibrancy so for the beer that we tried before we we went for a white background to kind of like uh, just mix it up a little bit and yep. then our transparent labels for the upcoming cryo sabro series we're hoping that they'll pop a little bit off the shelves as well um small steps in pursuit of juice that has more of a traditional just full color nice uh, it's got like a yeast cell in the background and the, the transparent labels will go on to just a, a silver can, will they? Yeah, well, so silver, if we can get them, or black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a bit of both at the moment. Yeah, there's a big can shortage. Uh, oh, I've been uh, reading about that, yeah. And it's, you know, it's massive in the US particularly, isn't it? You know, they're, they're trying to, to bring new factories you know, into production, but it takes 18 months or so to, to stand up a new <laughs> can right. manufacturing factory. So, you know, it's all be all right in 2022. But <laughs> I mean, they did those Nightingale hospitals pretty quick do you think they'd be able to like get the get, get the can factories up and running pretty fast but uh, yeah no we at the moment we just take what we're given like if it's silver or black this year we tried to do black cans to differentiate from last year which was mm. silver i think um, black yeah, cans but, are lovely yeah you know but not maybe not so much with a with a transparent i guess it obviously depends on what colors you got on the transparent label if they're you know if they're nice light whites and whatever then then it will, it will look really good but if they're <laughs> darker colors not so good right exactly so we went for white on the uh text and stuff so they can mm. go on either either okay. or let's just talk about imperial stouts generally because i think you know we're in the golden age of imperial stouts right now i'm quite sure they've never been drunk in the volumes that they are being drunk in now and i'm not just talking about four forty mil cans i'm talking about the number of different people drinking imperial stouts on a regular basis and we're probably all doomed with you know for cirrhosis in 10 years time but anyway mm. you know the, the <laughs> these are wonderful beers and the the complexity and the depth of flavors is a magical thing do you think that this is a passing phase or do you think we're going to be still seeing this level of interest in imperial stouts in a, in a year or two from now i think they're here to stay the pastry stouts it feels like everything's going towards more sweet mm. so i mean we've seen this the rise of the nipa uh, we've seen the rise of the triple fruited goes a sweet sour effectively and then the sweet imperial stouts as well so there might come a point where we reach peak sweetness and everybody's taste then we want to go back to more bitter stuff and, but i think for the foreseeable future yeah they're they're just too easy to drink aren't they they're like uh it's like a dessert i mean yep. part of the inspiration for this series was amnison dessert in a can and yes. uh yeah, you know yeah. it is literally dessert in a can mm. and yeah it's uh, a great style of beer, but I also like those old school uh, Imperial Stouts and I, and I hope that they come back. And I think we'll make more of those um, because we can and we, and we should. So yeah. more roasted flavors and like more uh, coffee. Uh, the barrel aged series of Stouts that we're going to bring out soon, um, they'll have more of a traditional character. But yeah, it's a, it's a great style of beer. And, um, I mean, it's more popular than our hazy stuff at the moment. 
Is that right? Crazy. Wow. Yeah, all year round in the peak of summer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I'm, I'm astonished to hear you say that, but you know, also <laughs> delighted. Mm. How are you going to package your barrel-aged beers? They'll be in 440ml cans or maybe 330s. We, mm-hmm. With the new canning line, we can, we have the option to do 330s. So um, we might do that. We'll have to see how hard yeah. it is to change the machine. But yeah, we hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit of keg as well at some point. Mm. Um, it, it really depends on this COVID situation. We'll probably have you still got a, a bottle in line, or you, you, did you did you trash that? We still got we still yeah. got a bottle in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got it. I mean, it's a, a six head filler like traditional style. You have to bottle condition them. We got the option to do a bit of that as well. Um, yeah. We might save that for like some some big collaborations that we do. Yeah, some you know nice. some really special. You know, they, they melted wax caps are that's nice, it. aren't they? You know, that, that's it, yeah. it seems to be. You know, if you want to make something look really special for Christmas or something, then that, that's there's still a place for that in the market. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I 100% agree. With the wax thing, is we haven't tried that yet, so uh, yeah, we should definitely do it at some point. Let's have a chat about Untapped. You've taken small batch experimental brewing to a new level as far as I can see. You know, you've got, you've been in business for four years. You've got almost 300 beers listed on Untapped. Never mind about the cask brand that you mentioned, um, which are obviously listed separately. None of your beers on Untapped have got as many as a thousand check-ins. In fact, there's only three with more than 500 check-ins. So, you know, it shows you that these have all been short production runs, you know, almost probably almost only single batches. But that very much plays into what, the craft beer obsessive fans are looking for which i class myself as one of those so so that's an interesting approach to the market do you pay much attention to to what social media is saying untapped and and instagram and the like yeah i do yeah i i I watch untapped and uh if it's a great indicator if something's gone wrong Mm. you know like you hear about it pretty quickly and uh then we'll follow it up and and uh contact the the shops that we sold it to and then help with getting replacement stuff out to the to the customers um and yeah it's, it's our best place for feedback instagram we do a little bit less i took a little bit of a break on it um right. over yeah like it was a while but i'm back on it now i like instagram the other social media is twitter i'm not a big fan of uh, yeah. and facebook a little bit but yeah we do so much and um like because we're so product focused sometimes the marketing and the social media stuff like suffers a little bit in the future hopefully we'll get better at communicating with our customers and and our audience you know we want to be able to like tell people what we're doing it's just sometimes we don't literally don't have the time no Um, well i'm guessing up until now you know obviously you're you're bringing the the additional production capacity on stream in Bermondsey. But up until now, you've been selling beer faster than you can make it or as fast as you can make it, at least in in, in recent years. And and obviously, as your production capacity increases, you're going to have to maybe work a little bit harder to tell people what you're doing and expose the product to the risk of sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Exactly. I mean, um, you can only go so far just based focusing on the product that at mm. some point you have to do some marketing and social media stuff and mm. yeah uh, as an individual i try not i like i engage with social media as a tool but try not to like get into it and look at what other people are doing and that kind of thing because i think it can one distract and two like maybe isn't great for your your being yourself mm. um so going forward, maybe we need a social media expert. So uh, if anyone's out there that wants to give us a hand, <laughs> give, give, give us a shout. Yeah, I think there'll be a few people interested in that job because I think you guys have got a great profile. As you say, almost you know, w- w- without putting too much 
time and effort into that side of the business. I think you've, you know, you've done extremely well. Um, you're ranked 28th in England at the moment in uh, brewery ratings, by the way, which is pretty good out 1500 or so. So I think you're, you're doing pretty well. Wow. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, 28th. Um, yeah. You're in uh, some pretty good company there, and there's 0.01 difference between sort of you and the next one, the next one. So you know, it's uh, there's, they're all crammed together at the top, and you guys are. It still amazes me that we're doing it out of a garage, right? Like, yeah. it's not. We don't have like the ultimate technology apart from the canning line, which is like cutting edge mm-hmm. technology. We don't have all the tools we need, and if we did, then I think the quality would be improved, yeah. and, and we we can only. Um, you know, we can only get better. So, but if you did uh, have, still... <laughs> you know, if you did have all the tools and and all the toys and whatever, then it would take some of the magic away, wouldn't it? Perhaps you know, right. you wouldn't, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't yeah, be definitely. an experimental craft brewery like you are. You know, that's. Uh... <laughs> and I feel like it should be a struggle. You know, yeah, like it, it, it's supposed to be hard. I wouldn't go as far as to wish that on you, no. But <laughs> it makes me stronger. You know, like yeah, uh, the, the more challenges we have, the more resilient we become. What's next for Three Hills? You mentioned the barrel age stuff, but what about on the, uh, you know, on the other series? What can you tell us? What can you tease us with for between now and the end of the year? We've got the mixed fermentation series, Spirit of Nature. First one will be released hopefully by the end of next month, mm-hmm. which is a yuzu seven percent kvike lactobacillus saison, mm. loads of brett, wild blend. Um, that's tasting amazing mm. out of the tank. So looking forward to that. Um, we should have some soft drinks as well. Um, okay. We're we're looking at um, developing a soft drink, fermented soft drinks range. Right. Um, so we've got a small kombucha project on the go, okay. and um, yeah, some little bits and bobs like that. The barrel aged stuff, more triple fruited, more I think some yeah, some triple some triple fruited <laughs> yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a party at, at the the Bermondsey Arch. Yeah, party. What about hops? So you've, you've referred a couple of times to hops being difficult to come by. And, and I know, what's your strategy for hops? Do you see what you can get and then figure out what you're going to build in terms of recipe? Or do you go out and say, you know, I need Sabro and nothing else will do, or I need Strata. You know, it's a, it, it can be a challenge, can't it, to be very specific about what you're trying to source? It is. And in the beginning, it's super challenging because you, you can't get any contracts you just have to spot by everything so it's uh, literally a case of ringing up and asking do you have any citra do you have any mosaic please can i have five kilos and then like eventually you'll get like five kilos maybe but now we have hop contracts so we do plan a little bit in advance but the thing is there's always new varieties coming out so the, it, it, we, we can plan and we've i think we've got like two tons of hops or something like that contracted the next nice. year a lot of strata a lot of cryosabro um yeah, some other, but yeah in the beginning it was just get what we can mm. we can and now i would really love it if we didn't have to contract because because we're changing so much all the time like thinking about yeah if new things happen it would be great if we could just buy what we needed but uh yeah some planning has to occur and that's where steve is fantastic Okay. Steve, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's like uh, way more organized and better at planning than I am. <laughs> so, yeah, we all need a Steve, really, don't we? Yeah, we, yeah, we're a good team, but he's also extremely creative as well. So, like, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good, uh, great guy. So, yeah, my so my Steve does the newsletter while I gallivant around drinking beers and chatting to brewers. He's he's in the you know in the background putting the newsletter there every week. So uh, nice. Here's this. this cheers to Steve's. Cheers to Steve's, <laughs> indeed be curious to just get you to speak a little bit about home brewing because you spoke about a more sophisticated setup in Shanghai than 
I think I've ever heard from anybody else. So what advice would you give to somebody thinking about getting into homebrewing in the UK in 2020? I think homebrewing has never been easier than it is now because the yeast strains are more temperature tolerant. They throw off less off flavors. There's great equipment out there. Like uh, Braumeister's a great one. The Bulldog's a great one. There's like uh, good systems. But still, my advice is build it yourself. Like build your own map. <laughs> Build your own mash tun, build your own, like, make your own kettle, put your own things in because that's what brewing is. It's like building stuff and fixing stuff. And, uh, you know, you've got to be a plumber, you've got to be an electrician, you've got to move liquids around and learn how pumps work and that kind of thing. And uh, I think it's really good, not only just for making beer, but like in life. Like, Mm. it's nice to be able to fix your toilet or fix your lights and (laughs) that kind of thing. Like, uh, so it's a good, it's a good, it's an interesting way to get into that kind of engineering aspect. Yeah, so that's my. And don't worry too much because it's, uh, although it, the devil is in the details and that mm. it actually is the best piece of advice I've ever had from Toby, the, the German brewmaster, was the, the, dev, the devil really is in the details. Mm. But the, the process of making it is not that complicated and you can make some good stuff to drink at home right. um, without your first three brews. Do a kit first, then uh, go all grain, make your own equipment and uh, yeah, you'll make some good beers. And, keep at it yeah. all right very good thank you so we do this thing called the shout out to little guy and here i'm looking for you to mention one or more small i.e smaller than you <laughs> local beer businesses breweries perhaps but equally tap rooms or bottle shops or other people in the beer ecosystem that you've been impressed by that you think have delivered a great service to us all um, in this very trying year that is 2020 there's so many uh, to shout out I'll go down the breweries route. Um, so Black and Sun, based in Milton Keynes, this guy Gary and his wife uh, Sharon, they make only Belgian style beers. Oh, Lots great. of like weird mixed fermentation stuff, saisons, strong Belgian beers. They're great. They're really, really great. And uh, I think that they don't get enough love. They don't get Fantastic. enough exposure. They really, really, um, they've got a tap room as well. Do they? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they have little beer festivals and stuff and really great beer. Yeah, Perfect. That is a nice shout out. I will look into those guys. I'll put them in the show notes and uh, let's hope that people will uh, go and check them out in Milton Keynes. Very good. Yeah. Perfect. So I've got the wrap up question as well, um, Andrew, but before I do that, I just wanted to ask you if there's anything that we haven't covered that you came into this conversation thinking that uh, I must mention that or you know we need to talk about this no I think we've uh, we've, we've we've done quite uh, we've rambled quite yeah we've we've rambled we've you know, gone down <laughs> some rat holes rambled. and uh, so it's the whole idea of this podcast is uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should call it this week in craft beer rat holes that'll be uh, <laughs> yeah. I tend to do this one just no that's great that's great I, I have so much fun doing these these interviews so the wrap-up question is what would be your ultimate happy hour where would you be who would you be with and what would you be drinking? So there is only one happy hour that I can ever think of. And that is in this Belgian beer bar in Shanghai. Um, after a hard day in the office, I had one office job. And after that day, uh, we'd, we'd go to this Belgian beer bar and drink Le Chouf. Okay. Like two or three Le Chouf's. You get buy one, get one three on Le Chouf. Oh. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, so we do maybe like, uh, yeah, four, two to four Le Chouf's. And that is fantastic uh that'll straighten you out after a bad day yeah exactly exactly and uh with my friends from from shanghai josiah ning hank um those guys yeah 
Very good. And was it? Did they have draft beer as well, or was it only? Is it? It was draft. Okay, was draft. Okay, wow. Chief on draft. Oh, um, awesome. Which I have never tried anywhere else apart from in 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 China. Um, How remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, with the sun shining, sitting on the road, and thinking, "What the hell is going on here?" Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Terrific. No, I mean you, you expect that sort of Belgian bar to be mostly bottled, but. Uh, this guy, actually, the guy that started this Belgian bar group, he got a knighthood from the Belgian king or something for, for his services. He was an American dude. Yeah. For, his serv- for his services to Belgian beer because he's bringing it in all over China. Fabulous. I do. I, I must admit, I love the, um, the sense of ceremony that goes with Belgian beers. Just the mere fact that everything has to be drunk out of its proper glass. And, you know, and if a bar doesn't have the right glass available they can't serve you the beer and that that alone just just is i'm sold on belgian beers just for that pure fact alone that you know it's such a they treat it with due deference don't they <laughs> they do they do and you can taste. i feel like you can taste it and you feel it like mm. uh like you know that it's a quality product mm. and at a great price point yep. yeah it's been yeah. a fun andrew thank you so much for your time thanks man take thanks. It easy. have a good evening Coming up in the next few weeks, we have interviews with some of the UK's most exciting craft breweries. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer. You can also follow This Week in Craft Beer on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Coming soon from This Week in Craft Beer is a brand new podcast mini-series entitled So You Want to Build a Brewery? But don't worry, there'll be no brewing advice administered here. Instead, we'll be focusing on everything but the brewing, looking at some of the fine details that need to be attended to if you want to build a great business in today's competitive market. We've partnered with some of the most innovative suppliers to the UK craft brewing industry to bring you a short series of episodes, each focused on a specific aspect which can really make a difference to your business. Please subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Launching on Friday the 28th of August, it's So You Want to Build a Brewery.